Hi, my name is Alan Fairley, owner and director of ISL Recruitment. Now our business is all about people. Ambitious tech businesses trust us to help them grow by finding great talent. I'm passionate about two things, helping scale-ups grow and learning from others. Now our aim with the Scale-Up Diaries is to share the best bits about people and companies that we admire, helping those of you in the tech startup and scale-up community in your journey. A lot of the talk will be focused on the people within the business. So how to attract the best talent, maximize their potential and retain the high performance. So if you're interested in key strategies and lessons learned to help you grow, then the Scale Up Diaries is for you. Now I'm really pleased to welcome today our guest, Steve Salvin, Chief Executive of Amy. Um, so yeah, my name is Steve Salvin. Um, I'm a computer science graduate from Manchester University. Um, I started out uh, with consulting roles at EDS and PwC. Um, I've had two uh, vice president of EMEA roles at OpenText and MicroStrategy. Um, and I've also squeezed in three startups in that time as well. Um, all of which have been in information management, really helping organizations to extract value from the data that they capture. I'm also a proud husband, father of two, uh, founder and CEO of Amy, and I'm also a self-professed mental health awareness advocate as well. Um, a little bit about Amy. Uh, we're a tech company that specialises in data. Um, our typical customers are large organisations that have got masses of data, hundreds of applications stored in clouds, lakes and networks, and usually have got thousands of employees that need access to that. Um, kind of. Um, no matter what they're doing, what devices they're using, what time of day it is. Um, these companies typically have data everywhere. They want to ask questions of it. They want to drive insight from it. Um, and so what we've done is we've found a really cool way to organize it and link it together. Um, and we've developed an AI-enabled software platform called InsightMaker. We've also got a crack team of data scientists user experience engineers and consultants that can do everything from developing a data strategy uh, through to creating machine learning algorithms. Um, our customers see us as an as a, that independent alternative to some of the bigger SIs. Uh, we tend to be faster, more flexible, um, and deliver solutions that are very tailored for our customers. Right now, we've got around about 40 concurrent projects with the likes of Rolls-Royce, Jaguar Land Rover, Anglian Water, Central Bank of Ireland, Glencore, some local authorities and a number of government departments. So, yeah, that's the intro to me and Amy. Okay, brilliant. No, thanks so much for sharing. There's definitely some, some really interesting stuff there that hopefully we'll capture both in terms of your, your personal background, but also the business that Amy is in. And, and clearly, you know, data is a is a, is a massive part of where some of the growth in tech has been in the last few years. And I'm sure people who can, like Amy, who can help large organizations make sense of it and, and really unlock the, the benefit in it is going to continue to be really valuable. Um, yeah. I know that, um, you know, when we've, when we've looked at some of the, um, the work that Amy has done within the business and, um, and shared some of that within our retention report for tech scale-ups early on this year, then what's come out very strongly is the, the, the mental health side of things. And you, and you mentioned in your intro that that's, that's something that's obviously personal to you as well. So it'd be really interesting to, uh, to expand on 
um, partly in terms of why that's important to Amy and then also you know your role as leader of the business how you actually make sure that that's making an impact across the business in a positive way. Yes yeah, so mental health um, for a number of years now um, it's been something that um, I've been very interested in um, and, and what has really driven me is from I guess personal experiences of getting stressed out um, and get into a point of that being a, a real challenge for me at work, generating some anxiety and, and, and issues that actually manifested themselves in my physical health. Um, and then me going through a process of going to the doctors, um, thinking it was purely a physical thing, and actually at some point realizing I did actually need to get some help. Um, and see, I, at that particular time, I was, I was around about 29, 30. Um, and within a very, I think, three or four sessions, got some really good advice, um, learned some really cool things, got some tips about how to control it. Um, and over a period of time, felt that I became a much stronger um, person that was able then to cope with, I guess, the the, the stresses that come with everyday life and it wasn't instantly but, but but over a few years I started feeling comfortable to share that experience with my teammates and especially the younger um, people that were coming into the company graduates that had been there two or three years and I could see some of those same traits where they were really enjoying themselves working around the clock wanting to you know get to that next promotion and i just felt it was a, a gift for me to be able to share my journey um, and help them understand that actually some of the challenges they might be feeling were okay um, and also that there was some support that we could give them so yeah for, for me that's where it all started and i guess in this current moment of covid where we've all been stuck at home for four months I think the mental health agenda has really come to, to the front. Um, I think people have become more, more and more sensitive really to how they're feeling. And, and I think also more comfortable to express that. So I feel this has become a real opportunity for lots of companies to really push hard on breaking those stigmas, um, providing more services and, and just being generally comfortable about having that conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. I think um, there's a starting point where, you know, naturally you're, you're in people's homes, you're in their lives, you're, you're jumping on video calls where you can see their bedroom, their living space. And I think that obviously helps in terms of breaking down some barriers, but also just in increasing the awareness. I know that I've definitely seen a, you know, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's something that clearly has affected everybody. But I think also being able to see people's homes and either their children in the background or them sharing with a flatmate definitely yeah. for me how how differently it's affected each person and i think yeah. being able to give them the space to hopefully talk as comfortably as they want to can be a really um you know a useful way to then look at actually what you can do as a business to to look after those people both now and, and also as we kind of hopefully you know build towards a more positive future um in terms of amy as a business and and what you do either you know partly around the mental well-being but also more broadly around looking after your people and making sure that you're, you're maximizing their potential and supporting them. What are the other key things that, 
you would look at from Amy's point of view that are, that are important to, to make the best and to maximise the potential of the people that are clearly key to the success of the business? Yeah, um, so Amy, Amy's heritage has been a consulting business. So, you know, we've got 50 consultants that spend the majority of their time pre-COVID actually on customer sites working alongside um, those customers. Um, and as a result of that model, um, they are quite often, you know, they feel sometimes more appreciated by the customers. They get in that kind of day-to-day feedback and, and recognition from them. And I think it's, it's really important that as an employer, um, we bring them back to base and we, we work hard at making them feel more appreciated and more recognized by the company they work for, not necessarily the, the companies that they consult for. So as a result of being a consultant myself and feeling that in the wrong way back in the day, uh, we've worked hard at that in Amy. So we've done things like we have a, um, a monthly team meeting where we all get together for an hour and do a business update. But actually, it's much more about a social thing. Um, we usually have a few beers, a few drinks, go for dinner. Um, we may even you know, do things like you know, playing, go bowling or table tennis. But really, it's, a, it's one day, one evening a month where everyone comes together no matter where they are. Um, and we spend that time together. We also have um, quarterly company days, uh, typically where we, again, get together. We spend the whole day doing something. We usually have uh, an afternoon of fun, do an event like go-karting, again, dinner, and we usually stay away uh, somewhere in a hotel. Um, so those types of things, I think, the social aspects are really important. In addition to that, we also, to, to celebrate some of our, um, our values and our culture, um, we've got a, uh, uh, something that we call Amy Giving, um, which is you know, our contribution to helping um, charities uh, raise money or give up our time to do cool things. Um, we're also um, working with some organizations that kind of uh, are underrepresented or from marginalized groups that that we feel are less fortunate than us. So again, giving us time to do things that, I don't know, give something back, um, make us work with, with different people than we're used to working with. It gives us a different perspective. And every time we do things like that, we always feel that we get more than we actually give. So for me, I think, you know, you've got to, you, you, whilst, you're doing that the startup or scale up and everything's about you know growing the business and staying alive and, and meeting those goals you know it sounds obvious but you, you can never take your eye off um, investing in people and making sure that we stay a really strong team together brilliant and and that definitely comes across from talking to you and from the conversations i've had with other people in the business that sense of of community and togetherness, even though they're spending a lot of their time apart. I guess one of the things I'm interested just to dive into the detail of a little bit more is is actually bringing new people into that environment. 
So Amy as a business has, you know, has got a good heritage, but also has clearly gone through some growth phases. So I'm yeah. sure a big part of that is bringing on new talent to help you achieve those growth goals and those milestones. And, and I think particularly at the moment, a lot of the companies that we're working with want to bring on new people, but where they haven't necessarily had the history of putting up a process where they can bring new people in a remote or a virtual environment, they do struggle with that that key bit around onboarding and induction and, and really sort of making people feel part of the team. So with Amy and from the success you've had, when it comes to actually onboarding new people into the team, particularly if they're not always sitting next to their colleagues, what have you seen has worked well and, and what lessons learned? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, um, immediately my mind goes into there's a, there's a pre-COVID world and, a, and, and, and now in this, this, this new phase that we're in. I think um, in the, the, the pre-COVID world, a lot of the, the communication, the team meetings, the, the social aspect that we did, I really did do believe that that overcomes it. Um, something that I missed is we, we do a lot of recognition at those team meetings, so there's a lot of shout outs that are going on, again, deliberately to make sure that we identify the good things that are being done so we can pat people on the back and celebrate them. There's also this concept of random acts of aiminess where we're constantly looking for opportunities to reward people. It might be sending them a card, a note, some flowers, um, a bottle of fizz, you know, things that it may be a new baby, a new home, um, or just the fact that they've done a great job on a project. Um, but just coming back to the specific question and thinking about this, this new world, we've probably onboarded half a dozen people in the last couple of months. Um, and it definitely has been a challenge. Um, one, of the, uh, one of the things that we implemented early on in the, in the COVID world is a weekly call on a Friday at five o'clock. It was something that um, I personally hosted. Um, and to be honest with you, when I first started it, I wasn't too sure whether or not it was going to be a bit of a crisis thing that gave us a chance to ask questions and deal with things. But actually, it's just become a business as usual opportunity to, to sit and talk about what is going on, um, to share with everybody transparently how we're doing with the numbers. Um, and we've been able to use that, those moments to welcome everybody on a company Zoom call. Um, as weird as it first seemed, actually it's just become very normal, gives them a chance to, to see everyone, um, say, a, say a few words, get a few shout outs from their teammates. And on two occasions now, I've put a, I've put, um, uh, a survey out on Slack to say, are you sure you wanna do these five o'clock on a Friday? Have you not got better things to do? And overwhelmingly um, people have said no, it's really nice. It's that one opportunity once a week to see absolutely everyone in the company. So yeah, doing it virtually, we're still feeling we're getting that bond and we're still feeling we're getting a little bit of special time where we can all look each other in the eye and, and just see how we're all doing. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that's a good example of, of taking some of the stuff that, that made you work well as a business before, but clearly adapting it to perhaps in this case, make it more frequent, you know, because people perhaps yeah. need those 
more regular check-ins or or perhaps to, to take a lead on you know you doing it whereas maybe before you wouldn't have taken so much of a lead and I that's right yeah definitely see yeah from a personal point of view and from some of the the other leaders i speak to then i think transparency has been something that has been part of the yeah the leadership playbook for a while but i think particularly over the last three months during covid19 then it's something where you almost can't fail to be too transparent you know i've definitely seen from my staff they are um hopefully they've always been confident in my ability and my business partner Henry's ability to lead the business but they really want to as much as possible understand the decisions we're going through and making and, and perhaps even sometimes the the act of communicating the decision is sometimes the act of communicating the decision can be as as useful as the decision itself to give them that transparency and that clarity around the the challenges you're facing um, yeah if you're if you're looking back over the last two or three months so there's there's a good example of there of something that you've You've taken that togetherness and, and adapted that slightly is there anything that you think you've done particularly new or differently over the last two or three months to to react to the people within the business and the challenges they're facing or anything that's really you know uh, come up new that you you've had to address going back to the the weekly call um you know that weekly call comes around very very quick um and and you're right to say that the the monthly team meeting that we had we had quite a good structure from a departmental point of view so everyone could kind of see what was going on in the business but i really felt that there's been a need to become a lot more personal from myself um and i, f I feel like there's been a um i felt a need to let people know what is going on in my head and what i'm thinking the things that I'm worried about, the things I'm excited about. Um, also in some of the one-to-ones I have with the leadership team, where they've expressed some concerns to me, I've used that platform on a Friday to talk about some of the, the wider concerns that I feel are out there. Um, and, you know, an example of that is a few weeks ago when, um, unfortunately, George Floyd uh, lost his life and we had the, the start of Black Lives Matter. Um, for me at that, at that time, when that Friday came around, I just felt this compelling need to have that conversation and, and talk to the guys about how that had affected me, knowing that it was affecting everybody else. Um, and I'm not sure back in the old world, would we have dedicated some time at the team meetings to talk about that? Would I have organized a company-wide call? I'm not sure I would. But actually, in this moment, it really did feel like the right thing to do. Um, and in, and in that, that, that particular subject, what I shared with the guys is, for, for all of the good things that we do around our values and Amy Giving and Amy Cares and, and wanting to have a diverse and inclusive workplace, I think what the, the Black Lives Matter movement did is I was looking at the TV, horrified at riots. I was looking at the TV and seeing people openly racist on camera that for me, it, it really didn't associate with my life and I was actually quite shocked by it. So I wanted to share that, but also some of the anger that was coming out and some of these new terms around uh, white supremacy. And I started to feel uncomfortable about some of that and therefore I knew that other people in the company would so I took a it felt actually like quite a brave thing 
to open up and, and start that conversation. But ultimately, what I ended up doing is, and I, I shared this with the guys, is that I felt that I, I never felt like I was a racist person. But I suddenly realized that I didn't know enough about the subject. And seeing these really strong views, I decided to go on a bit of a journey myself um, and, and get more educated on actually what was going on. Um, and some of the, the learning week by week, I've actually played that back and shared it with the team. And I know it's been received really, really well. Um, and my, 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 my homework for this week is to read a book that I've been uh, recommended called Rebel Ideas from Matthew Syed. Okay. You're, you're familiar with that. He's a yeah. Times journalist and a favourite sports pundit of mine. Uh, but for me, it's, you know, I think it comes back to that point I was saying about transparency. I think there's a level of a new level of openness and honesty that's needed. Um, and I think some of these conversations that we need to have around inclusiveness and diversity, you know, it's about now taking that lead and really starting to, to, to have those conversations and create some forums and safe spaces to allow them to happen. And interestingly, you know, that one of the learnings I've had in, in starting these conversations is often one of the first barriers is terminology. People are scared to say the wrong thing, especially some of the Generation X people, the slightly older ones, they're worried about saying the wrong thing. And so one of the, one of the first things that we want to do is actually get some terms written down. These are good, these are bad. You know, let's get the language right and let's start that conversation so it's okay. I think that's quite a, a, a revelation, really, and things that definitely are, that do feel different this side of the of, of lockdown. Yeah, I think a lot of that resonates with me, both personally and, and what I've seen within the wider community. I think that there's there's no doubt that, that you know, Black Lives Matter has has caused a lot of people to to want to do something, but I think often what holds people back is that that fear around jumping into the unknown or actually having positive intentions, but clearly that across in terms of how they, they conduct themselves. And I know that personally the conversations I've had internally with my with my team, I've definitely felt that nervousness around even how to, you know, I, I spoke to some of them last week and I said, normally I, I probably have a playbook for a particular meeting. You know, I know the structure I'm going to go through. I know the questions I'm going to ask. Yeah. And I, I'd listened to a, a podcast the day before, which was very much around, if you're a leader of the business and not sure how to address the conversation, then, you know, here's some advice, but still was very apprehensive around even starting the conversation. But, but I think also recognizing that that's probably like you mentioned there. I think that's much more likely that I got to that point and actually had that conversation because of the togetherness we've had with our yeah. the last two or three months. And I think that's hopefully something that, you know, I'm sure that, COVID-19 and the reaction to George Floyd and Black Lives Matters are, are you know, are linked very closely because of the, the recognition that people have, have started to see different things important in their lives, in their business, you know, and, and, and actually thinking about it from a, you know, a team point of view within a business more broadly, then I think that one of the things I definitely see from talking to, to candidates and from talking to companies that are looking to scale and, and grow in the next six, 12 months is that the the purpose of the business, the values of the business, the people leading the business and how they conduct themselves are going to be, they always have been important, but are going to be yeah. so much more important to, 
to getting the right fit between people and the business and people within the business in you know yeah. I think I think um, from my perspective the um, we joined tech talent charter like yourselves but we joined uh, last year um, and in September it will be our first time to publish some the, the annual results um, so again it's not it's not like this is a new thing but it's been interesting that the, the conversations that have happened I think have got more people interested in actually what are we doing um, and so one of the things that um, that, that we've got at our next board meeting in, in a couple of weeks. I'm actually getting our diversity at Amy team. There's nine people in that team. And they've prepared a presentation. And I actually want the board to properly understand what is this program? What are we doing? Um, and for me, what's, what I'm looking forward to is um, getting the metrics of our gender and ethnic diversity within Amy, being able to see a benchmark of what that, uh, how that compares to the UK, but actually then have a business a, a plan that's um, in our business plan, that's strategically important, that's signed off by the board, that means we are gonna set ourselves some hard goals to make sure we get from where we are to where we need to be. Um, and in doing that, that we're prepared to change long-term incentive plans, compensation plans for executives, and make sure that those people who want to get a promotion are embracing those values, you know, and are adhering to the plans that we've set ourselves around diversity and inclusiveness. So it's, I think what, what the conversation's doing is, is cementing, you know, a, a desire to be better into hard actions now where inevitably I think it will happen. Yeah, brilliant. And that's obviously massively important in terms of embedding it into the, the substance of Amy and how you're going to progress and reward, you know, and develop yeah. in the future. Um, if you if you were looking, just jumping back a little bit, if you were looking at um, over the journey of, of Amy and the and the people you brought into the business and actually where you've had the the best performances and, and where you've been happiest with you know the choices you've made bringing new talent into the business and, and translating that that experience into advice for those who are looking to scale and grow companies in the future then what are the um, what are the key things that you've done to to grow a business with great people where are the key areas where you perhaps wish you'd address something sooner or more intensely to to bring good people on board and to to retain the best people within Amy? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, everyone likes to think that they're the best recruiter, that they can spot the best talent um, and, you know, they've never, never made a bad hire. And I think I've become more accepting in, in, a, in a scale up type business now that um, actually you need a robust process and you need to do that, that um, the talent acquisition element of it quickly. Um, and it's okay to make a mistake. Um, the reason why we have a six-month probation period is it's a, it's a win-win scenario, right? It's a mutual opportunity to test the waters and make sure that this long-term journey we're both going to go on is right for both parties. So I think protect that probation period. 
is important, even though people try and negotiate out of it. Everyone that's come into the business have walked that rope, they've earned their stripes. Um, but, you know, we have, um, you know, clear criteria around a, a probation period. We want to, you know, make sure that those expectations and objectives are clear from the outset. Um, we've moved away from an annual performance review to a uh, monthly one-to-one -one process now where we do in shorter, sharper one-to-ones um, uh, where we're able to measure performance and talk about um, things that we need to do better. Gives us that really good um, opportunity to provide feedback, honest feedback. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the big thing for me is, is, is get those metrics right, make sure that that's very, very clear, um, but don't be afraid if you've made a bad decision to change it. So, you know, if we have to let people go because they're not cutting it and they're not delivering and they're not said what they were going to be, then I think as a fast growing business, then you've got to be tough about that. And ultimately, I genuinely believe that, you know, it's not that those people are usually bad. It's the, that, that that person is in the wrong role and that you didn't spot it early enough, but it, you just need to have a, I think a grown up conversation, do it in the right way, but do not keep hold of people that aren't performing, that aren't contributing, that, you know, around peg in a square hole, so to speak. So I think you need to be tough with that. Yeah. And building on that, you know, slightly away from the people who weren't right from the outset, I think actually what I see across a lot of the, the businesses that um, from a people point of view have, have scaled really well and successfully is, is like you say, not being able to recognize, not being afraid to recognize when they've made a bad decision, but also mm -hmm. not being able to afraid to, to be, you know, what may seem somewhat ruthless when the stage of growth they're going through in the future is perhaps different than what it's been in the past. And yeah. Yeah, it's about, getting the right people in the right seats on the bus, but also making sure they're right for that stage and timing of your journey. And, and realizing that you're, if you're taking a bus, if your journey, so to speak, is from you know, Bristol to, to Glasgow, then some people may stay with you to Birmingham. Some people may jump on at Manchester and get off at Newcastle. And, and actually the, the overall arc of the business is, is making that journey from Bristol to Glasgow. But an individual may only be with you for some of the way and, and not being afraid to be honest and have the conversations with that individual about which stage they're right for and which stage is right for them as well as an individual. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think to, to add to that, I would say, um, we, we generally have this, um, you know, we talk about it quite openly is we try and early on as quickly as we can find out what people are really good at and maybe those things that they're not so good at. And quite often a standard role can be you know, quite broad in terms of the things that you're expected to perform. And actually, what we've found is it's better to look at a team and look at the collection of individuals, pick out the strengths, the things that people are good at, that they like doing, and actually let's get them to do more of that and less of the stuff that they're bad at. But that requires bravery, honesty, lots of feedback, and that needs to be both ways. But yeah, from, from, you know, from my point of view, it's being candid and having those often difficult conversations. I mean, I, 
you know, I, I, I tell all of my managers who are going to deliver one-to-ones who, who are struggling maybe with some feedback is, you know, they're the, the tennis coach. If, they, if they're not constantly helping that tennis player become, you know, do a better serve or a better slice, then at some point they're going to get fired. That's, that's our job. So, yeah, that's a big thing for me. Do what you're good at and less than what you're so good at. And, and usually that works out pretty well. Yeah, I definitely agree. If you were, if we're looking to the to the future and and thinking about the people that you see um, helping Amy with the, the most success as we move forward, well then are there any particular? I mean, you've talked about you know hiring diversely, being really clear around the metrics, making sure you continue that journey in terms of building inclusive culture. If you're looking across the people within the business, are there other areas that you see being much more important in the future, either because of you know, how COVID-19 has affected us the last few months or just because of the, the skill sets you think might be most relevant, the capabilities you're most prioritizing for the future, what's mm-hmm. going to be key when it comes to your kind of future people strategy? So you're right. I think culture and values comes first. And, and the overriding thing is I want to make sure that we're going to hire people that are pulling on the reins that they're, Number one thing is to put our customers first, but with an eye to the future. Um, yes, there, there are some, I think, radical changes that are necessary that are coming. Um, I'm not sure I've got all the answers, but when I look to Generation Z, um, you know, the, the Gen Zoomers, as I think they're now being called, um, I've got a 20 year old daughter and a 21 year old son so I've got some good experience about how they you know are formed and what they do but these digital natives that literally spend their lives on their phone and in social media um, I cannot see how they're going to come into a business and and do their jobs with email and spreadsheets so there is there's a transformation going on right now and interestingly Pre, Pre-COVID, we had um, a work-from-anywhere mentality and more and more Mondays and Fridays was a ghost town in the office. Uh, people tended to do a couple of days, usually coming in for social stuff, but most of the time we're either on customer sites or working from home. But as a result of that change a year ago, we started introducing Slack um, and also Zoom. But what COVID has done is it's just really accelerated that journey that we're already on. And we have seen a massive decline in email. Um, One of the uh, senior guys that we hired in January actually coined the the phrase working aloud. And I think that's what Slack's allowed us to do is, is be more transparent on what we're doing, you know, almost showing the, the team or the world what's going on and it just saves on endless emails and repeated conversations so i think whilst we are slack and and zoom helping us i still feel there's a whole bunch more digital transformation we need to do as an organization to really embrace those generation zoomers Um, i also think probably close to home with you is the, the challenges around talent acquisition as well. Um, Just some hunch of mine is that 
that also needs to go through uh, a, a, a transformation. Right now, it's probably one of the most difficult things that we have to do as a growing company is dedicate so much time to writing job descriptions, writing an ad, sending that out. I mean, we've been getting something like 700 applicants per job that we've been putting out. Someone's got to go through all of that um, and process it, the interviews. I just can't help but feel that there's got to be a more immersive, frictionless experience that both parties can go through that will give each other a more accurate glimpse of each other and, and, and help facilitate that process. So I kind of see on the horizon um, the, the, the tools that we use and the way we work, but also that challenge of how we get new talent and attract that into the business and the process that we go through. I think that's going to that's gonna change radically. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think there's a there's a fascinating opportunity. I'm obviously thinking about it very intensely from a you know from a personal point of view around how that world of bringing talent on board does change, and, and there's no doubt that it, it will change. And I suppose, like yourself, I I definitely don't sit here thinking I have all the answers, but I I do see that although the dynamics of supply and demand in the market will of course shifted, and maybe. Yeah. The challenge for customers, you know, prospects that we want to work with is, is less around how you find that great person, but maybe more how you filter and find the right person amongst yeah. a, a much bigger pool of great people. And I think that, um, you know, it sounds like probably, um, you know, a, a lot of what you're doing, a lot of what I see the good business doing is actually, um, it's not just doing great things, but actually in, you know, not necessarily a boastful way, but in a transparent way, talking about them externally. And hopefully by the point people come to you, they've made much more of that buying journey in effect around the business right. before because they've, um, they've seen how you're acting as a leader or how your staff are sharing on social media, what they're doing with their time and, you know, and how they're using that to uh, enforce what's important to Amy, but also demonstrate what's important to them as individuals. So I think that, um, yeah, it's uh, it often um, it disappoints me sometimes if I'm talking to a, an early stage business who's who's got some great values and got some great things going on within their business from a people point of view, but actually it's only once you're actually sat with them that that comes across. And and I think there's you know recruitment largely is you know a, a marketing piece in many ways and and not marketing the story that's not real, but actually telling your story and and letting people come to you. On the basis that they will gravitate towards what's important to them, and, and you know, and realizing that you're you're a great business, but you're not great for everybody. And actually, it's you know, a lot of the time it's it's establishing as early as possible where the fit is and where it isn't to avoid pain further on down the line. Yeah, I mean, you used the word then the the buying journey, and that's the first time that I personally have heard that referenced in a you know a talent acquisition strategy, but actually you're right i mean we spend lots of uh, time in our marketing strategy talking about a digital buying journey we we we, we look at that um, b2c world and we every day as consumers we go and find products and services we're able to look at them understand how they work how we consume them we can see awards that have been got, lateral endorsements. Um, we can see reviews from people who've consumed them. We look at the price. We know what the terms and conditions are. We know the warranty that comes with it. We can see case studies. 
we do all of that and we can often buy without ever speaking to a human. And yeah, I mean, listening to that, that digital journey, we've got to be thinking about a similar experience for, for people. One, they've got to be able to have that beautiful frictionless experience and drop in and, and see, is that something for me or not? But also as an organization like Amy, we've also got to be found. So those people that are going to be ideal for us, we need to make sure that when they're searching, that they're actually going to find our company. And again, um, there's some challenges that come with that. So yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, and I think um, we may not be buying our next job or career off Amazon. There's no doubt that there's a lot that you'd look at from that world that would translate. I think also going back to your point around the, the inclusion and diversity side of things, then I think it's it's also the more you can put out there, the more accessible it becomes, particularly where talent will be more mobile and there's more opportunity to work remotely. I think that definitely helps also in terms of accessing a, a broader, more diverse pool of talent and yeah. um, people that really you do feel you resonate from a values point of view um, but actually would give you something new and different in terms of helping to to grow the business on on that point um one thing that i've I've realized in the last uh, couple of months in the recruitment during lockdown found myself going and re-looking at the 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 adverts that we've put out and the job descriptions and we've actually softened quite seriously the news around our uh, Milton Keynes HQ. Yeah, what we've, what we've we kind of left it there as we're proud of this and it's a great opportunity for collaborate collaborating and community services. But what we've moved away from is people thinking I've got to be somewhere that's commutable to the office. Um, and and yeah, I do see an opportunity. For example, we're currently recruiting for a copywriter and a social media executive. You know, so. Both of those roles literally could be done by anybody, everywhere, anywhere. And because we've got this work from anywhere mentality, and as long as the job gets done and customers are happy, don't really mind when it's done. Actually, I'm starting to think: Do we want to limit ourselves to, you know, the the the, the, the people around London and Milton Keynes? Actually, they could literally be anywhere. Um, I'm not sure where that's going to go long term because I still feel you've got to work at creating that team and that community. Um, but I do think there's some new opportunities that are opening up as a result of that. Yeah, I agree 100%. I don't think every every organisation is going to come remote first or remote only. But I think that the organisations that are able to attract the best people and also retain their best people are going to be the ones yeah. that that look at things, not as a, a blanket decision, but very much look at maybe a particular role or a particular aspect of how they recruit, or how they engage and how they let their staff work and, and work out exactly what's going to be a balance between what the business needs, but also what allows them to, to get and retain great people. Um, yeah. Even in terms of drawing things to a close, I guess I'm interested in a, a, a sort of a final takeaway. So it may be something that you've, you've already covered so far or something that we haven't had the opportunity to discuss, but if you were thinking about the lessons learned from your journey, you know, through three startups and, and through Amy, um, but also what you've seen within, you know, the business and thinking about for someone who's looking to lead a business and knows that hiring great people, keeping great people and, and maximizing their potential is going to be key to achieving their goals. Is there one bit of advice you would give to that person around how to 
to maximize the talent within their business as they scale anything that either you want to jump back into or, or want to bring up that we haven't discovered so far as a as a takeaway bit of advice i guess uh, i'll go with um the, the i think for me the, the standout most valuable thing that i have done is um, develop those values um, invest in the culture um, and you know, have something that joins us all together as a team that everyone buys into and believes in. That that is that that is glue um, that that has really worked. And whilst I would say initially it was a top-down thing, I genuinely feel it's now owned by the the employees, the the co-workers, the the Amy family. It's really a lifeblood thing. That's so that's one thing that I've mentioned. I think one new thing that, that I'd put on the table is um, as, a, as, a, as a, uh, a startup business with a great idea that you're looking to execute on, um, hiring the talent, keeping the talent, it's, it's, it, there are big, big challenges. I think one thing that I've always wanted to do with the management teams that I formed is I haven't wanted to be looking over my shoulder wondering how they're thinking, what's going on, are they happy? So I've worked hard at, at making sure that we've got a, um, a long-term incentive plan um, that bring all of those people together and align to me so that we've got shared goals for our annual bonuses. Um, we've got shared outcomes in terms of uh, stock options um, and that we've got shared outcomes in terms of long-term incentives, that, that goal that we're all striving to achieve, we all feel joined up. And uh, I think that's sometimes in the outset, it can feel overly generous to do that. But you've kind of taken all the risk and you've done it yourself. But for me, actually diluting a little bit and sharing that with the whole company um, for me, it meant that I move forward every day knowing we're all on this together. It feels like one mission and we, we walk into that one beat. And that gives me a lot of comfort and allows me just to focus on uh, the job in hand, which is fulfilling the vision that we've got for the business. Yeah, I think that, that definitely um, sounds like that will help that vision be achieved much more easily and much more enjoyably on the way, you know, setting expectations yeah. really from the the outset and making sure that then the the way that success is measured and rewarded that there's that really strong core alignment between you the business the people within the business and, and like you said that glue that's tying everything together so brilliant steve that's a that's a great point to uh, to end on so thanks once again for taking the time to talk to me today it's really fascinating to hear about the, you know, the success you've had and amy's had and i'm sure there's some really valuable stuff that will help others that are looking to to grow whether they're at the early startup stage or looking to really kind of be a high performing scale up there's some really valuable lessons in there so so thanks once again no worries alan thank you it's been my pleasure thank you very much Thanks.